Hello, welcome to Horror Court Trash Over, the show that discusses all the masterpieces and trash the pieces of genre cinema. I'm Gary. And I'm Chris. And <laughs> we're back. Uh, <laughs> remember we kept saying we were going to do a good film? <laughs> yeah. How long ago was that? Well, I thought this was potentially going to be a good film, um, but no. This is one of the weirdest fucking films I've ever seen. <laughs> Stupid. If anyone um, remembered Hellgate, this could easily be passed as a, a prequel That's a to disservice Hellgate. to Hellgate. <laughs> That's a disservice. Hellgate was many things, but it wasn't boring. Um, I mean, yeah, we, we, we're a little different in opinions on this one. It's not a good film. Um, I will say that, Chris is right. Um, but I did think it was entertaining in a trash-to-piece kind of way. We are, of course, talking about Spookies from 1986. Uh, before we get into it, um, messages from the world of social media. <laughs> New name for it. Fan mail. Fan mail. As previously known. Um, Terrence Wins Podcast have been sending us some lovely comments on Instagram. Um, quoted, ready to rumble. Thanks, guys. <laughs> Just because we need a reminder of that film. Um, Kieran's Killer Collection, when, uh, he, he gave us some information we weren't aware of, uh, which is quite embarrassing, really. Um, he told people to check out our Killer Barbies vs. Dracula episode, so thank you for that. Uh, he apologised for preferring it to the original, because <laughs> uh-huh. someone, someone here wasn't a fan. No, I wasn't. <laughs> um, <laughs> he, uh, gave the film five stars. <laughs> If you know, each I mean, to their own. Each you know, to their own. you know what? I'm not the be all and end all of film criticism. You know, it, I enjoy many things that other people don't necessarily enjoy. So each to their own. If if you enjoyed it, then props to you. But I certainly won't be watching it again. <laughs> and uh, most important of all, he made us aware that Candy, the song you may recall, Chris getting mixed up with uh, as Cunty. Um, is actually a cover of another banger by Iggy Pop and Kate Pearson from the B-52s. Yeah, which is really embarrassing because I'm a big B-52s fan and I had absolutely no idea that Kate Pearson did a duet with Iggy Pop. Yeah. So thank you for pointing that out to us and we've been playing it Pretty much constantly. Yes. Yes, we alongside the uh, the dance remix of uh, Killer Barbies featuring Beaver. Yeah. <laughs> the original is much better than the the Killer Barbies version, by the way. Wow. <laughs> and uh, Twitter, we had something on Twitter this week. This that doesn't happen often. Um, sixty MW podcast uh, said they've not watched Spooky since it's back in the days of VHS, and they're definitely overdue a rewatch. Uh, you're not, you're not. <laughs> don't, don't do it. So, get into... Oh, yeah, so if you've got anything to say about Spookies, we are Horacle Trash over on Facebook and Instagram, Horacle Trash on Twitter. Uh, so getting into Spookies, uh, it's directed by three people. Uh, Jeannie Joseph, who also directed Mindbenders. Uh, Thomas Doran, who was the voice of the monster in Death Express... Do you remember Death Express? I have absolutely no idea what you're talking That's about. There's a good reason you don't. It was a really, really shit film. Death Express? Yeah. Who was in it? I don't think it was anyone of no. If I remember right, I think it may have been a black exploitation film. Oh. It was like the most boring black exploitation film. Yeah. I do remember that. I barely remember the thing about it. I had to check what it was about oh of course yes death express the um yeah um it was a um uh karate black exploitation yeah. film with zombies as well it which sound really... which sounded perfect yeah it's it really so was, boring it was really bad really forgettable yeah and uh third director was brendan faulkner who directed killer dead um, which is also known as non-vegetarian zombies from outer space and has the greatest tagline of all time. They're here, they're hungry, and they don't eat tofu. <laughs> no? No. No? no. Okay. <laughs> Sorry. Just me then. Sorry. Um, Spookies <laughs> was made on a budget between 2 and $3 million. 
Uh, come on, the practical effects were good. Yes, the soundtrack yes. was good. Okay, don't preempt my answer. <laughs> I was about to you say feel like that. you're about to go off. <laughs> well, I was about to say it all went on the, the, the effects. <laughs> um, and the actress who played uh, Adrian Ruth. No. Was, uh, it made seventeen thousand seven hundred eighty-five dollars. Lovely. Um, yeah. Deserve to make $17,785. It's a trivia. Um, executive producer Michael Lee came up with a genius idea for the muck men to make farting noises. Um, yeah, so I was... We'll, we'll, get, we'll get to it. The, okay. weird, the weird thing is, this is meant to be a horror comedy, right? But... Comedy? The, the, the funny parts weren't when they were intended to be funny. If this is where it fell into a trash piece for me, I found myself laughing when they weren't trying to be funny. Because um, that when they thought they were being serious, that's when they were... Was it meant to be a comedy? A horror comedy, yeah. Well, I just... I, I thought it was a horror, and like a lot of horror films, they had that one guy who tried to be a comedian. No, it was... It, well, I mean, who knows? They may have said it was a comedy after it flopped. Oh, of course, yeah. I mean, yeah you, know, room, you know, like, The Rooms, a black yeah. comedy, yeah. Um... The, the, there's a bit of a uh, troubled production um, when, when making this film. Um, this film started out as Twisted Souls. It finished production and was in the editing stage when creative and legal issues ensued. Uh, the financial backer then hired a new director and editor who cut out scenes already filmed and inserted newly shot footage several months later on the same location with different actors. The rumour that the film is composed of two completely unrelated and unfinished films is apparently not true, but I do not believe that for a second. No. This is, this is the film equivalent of a lucky bag. Like, it's, it's like you've got a really cheap horror lucky bag where they couldn't afford any big horror names, so they just threw in some really generic cheap stuff because they pull out some random shit in this film. Like, it is. It is. It, there's vampires, fighting muckmen, there's zombie, blue zombies, um, there's uh, an alien at some point, there's a human cat that runs around just watching people. Yeah. Uh, possessions, a, a Ouija board slash chessboard. I, it's fucking weird. And you have two very different narratives going on at the same time and they never come together at any point no um and whenever they they don't physically come together at any point and they don't they're not mentioned in either apart from voiceover which you know can be put on at any time uh to try and link these two sort of narratives together um we'll get into it more but i i i absolutely feel that these are two different films mashed together into yeah. one. Uh, despite its limited release, modest box office haul and scarce availability, it has achieved a cult following since its release. Yeah. Yeah, it's, cool. it's a cult film. Well, it was released on uh, Vipco. Um, so... We... I'm, I'm getting to that. I'm getting yeah. to that. Okay. <laughs> Why do you pause for talk? Tri- I, your opinion on it being a cult film... <laughs> It's not. Shit. In 1986, the film received a Delirium Award at the 15th Annual International Science Fiction Film Fantasy Festival. Oh, very good. (laughs) And uh, getting to your point, the film was released on VHS in the US by Sony Video. Uh, Eventually went out of print. Spookies was also released on VHS in the UK by Palace Video alongside Evil Dead 2, featuring artwork by Graham Humphreys. Uh, in 2003, UK company Vipco Entertainment released a Region 2 PAL DVD mastered from a VHS source as part of Vipco's Scream Time collection series. And uh, one of the reasons we're doing this podcast episode is because we were sent a screener by 101 Films, who are now releasing it on Blu-ray in the UK as part of their Black Label collection on April 26th, which you can pre-order from uh, 101-films-store.com. And, uh, yeah, it also comes with feature-length making of documentaries uh, called Twisted Tale and Vip Cody Untold Story documentary as well. Um, we did say on last week's episode we'd talk a bit about Vipco, and uh, Chris, would you like to talk a bit about Vipco? Oh, uh, shall I? Am I allowed now? It's your moment. Um, yeah, so Vipco <laughs> were a um, 
distribution company uh, of VHSs, uh, but mainly back in the day. So this was sort of during and after the video nasties period, uh, which we've discussed to a, a certain length on the podcast before. Um, my history with Vipco is DVDs, and um, I remember collecting them. So it must have been around. I I never watched Spookies. I never owned Spookies. Um, but when I was really getting into horror and old school horror, um, I would buy the Vipco. Uh, they had the Beyond, which we've discussed on the podcast. Um, they had, I think they did City of the Living Dead. They did the really underrated, uh, Michel Suave's Stage Stage Fright. Fright. Fantastic film. Really needs a Blu-ray release. Um, and they had a very distinct cover where it was just black with this gold writing of the title and then that was it and you'd look on the back and you'd see a few stills but there wouldn't be a poster or or any sort of artwork on the front um so yeah it was just really a gateway for me into these sort of horror films that a mantle i feel like arrow video was kind of taken over from now yeah very much the precursor to arrow video well i mean it's, it's very much shared out between Arrow, 88 Films, 101 Films. Yeah. Um, and maybe Indicate... No, not Indicate. Sorry, uh, Shameless Entertainment. Yes. Um, yeah, I mean, myself, I remember seeing the, the Shameless... Shameless. The Vipco DVDs in uh, in HMV and CX a lot um, when I'd go in there, when I first started collecting DVDs and whatnot. I don't think my... I mean, my dad had a big DVD collection, but I don't think he had any Vipco... Um, but yeah, it was always very intriguing. The fact that it didn't have a poster and it's just these great titles on a on a black DVD case, um, especially means some of the titles are intriguing enough in themselves. Yeah, and there would uh, always be a little thing on there saying if if it was fully uncut. Yeah. So they didn't release all their films completely uncut. Uh, stuff like Cannibal Ho- Holocaust and Cannibal Fear Rocks were cut quite badly. Uh, in these DVD formats. It's only now that we're getting uncut versions in the UK. Um, but if it was uncut, there'd be a big stamp of approval, wouldn't it, essentially, mm, saying this yeah. is uncut. Funny enough, the two I remember having at first, if I remember right, it was actually Troll 2 and Silent Night, Deadly Night 2. Oh. Yeah. I didn't know they did those. Yeah, uh, which is bizarre, because... I mean, they did deal with a lot of video nasties, but they also had this so bad, they're good sort of section as well. I mean, they even did uh, Zombie Flesh Eats 2, Zombie Flesh Eats 3, you know. So, yeah, it it is quite bizarre that they were released on it, but um, so was Spookies. Yeah, Um, well, it was was, um, because the owner of Vipco, he wanted to get into making films, and Spookies was the film that he made. So he went over to America, invested some money into creating a film. Um, it ended up being not being released by Vipco until DVD, until, mm. like you said, 2003. Um, but by all accounts, he just had a terrible time. The making, you know, they've made a, a documentary on the making of the film. I'd, I'd love to give that a watch because it sounds more interesting than the film itself. Um... But, yeah, by all accounts, he had a terrible time. It wasn't a great investment. And, obviously, you've got, what, three different directors for the Mm. film. And the end product is, in my opinion, shoddy. Yeah. Um, But, again, you know, go out and check out the 101 Films release. It does have the Vipco documentary and the documentary on the making of this film. Yeah, I'm sure sure it's going to be a a really good release. They do, uh, particularly their Black Label... Uh, yeah, are, are really good releases. So if you've listened to this podcast and it sounds like the kind of film you would enjoy, then yeah, definitely yeah. get it on Blu-ray. Do it as a double bill of Howgate. So uh, the, the loose plot of this film is a sorcerer tries to sacrifice a group of people inside his house with the intention of using their vitality uh, to keep his wife alive. Yes. And we open with a title card that... Um, it looks like it was maybe lagging a bit. Yeah. Um, it's a very good transfer, but there's no hiding this shitty title card. No. Um, followed by the opening credits and some gothic yet 80s sounding music. I think the score is really great for this. Yeah, that's all right. Um, we then get 
quite uh, this was mentioned in the in search of darkness part two documentary um something that was weirdly popular in the eighties um pulsating items yeah so you got um the beast within you got videodrome uh the fly and spookies as well we get a pulsating coffin in a graveyard with chains on it yeah and it does look good it does yeah. look good I, I did think that yeah and it it does look like something out of um video drum in that it's an item that's pulsating rather than a person yeah and we do get a person doing it as well um but yeah it's a weird trend weren't it yeah. Um, I mean, it looks fucking disgusting in the best way, so... I think it's one of those things where they discover the uh, ability to do it. Yeah. <laughs> you know, um, I always remember from... I don't know, I think it was the commentary or, or the making of, of A Nightmare on Elm Street. And you know that scene where he comes through the wall? Yeah. Um, you know, that, that hadn't really... That sort of thing hadn't been done before. Um, and Heather Langenkamp tells a story of the um, the guy uh, who did the effect saying, guys, I've got this brand new substance. It's called spandex. <laughs> and I think we can make this work. And it looks great. Yeah. But then obviously spandex wasn't really a thing be- before sort of the 80s, as far as I know. So you wouldn't be able to do that. And then obviously you get that trope throughout so many films afterwards. Yeah. Um, after this, we are introduced to our main villain, Creon. <laughs> Looks a bit like... Um, I, don't, I don't know. Just exactly what you expect him to look like. Discount Count Dracula. Yeah, um. we used to discount... <laughs> yeah, discount Count Dracula. Um, it looks like... Um, he's going for Ian McKellen. Yeah. <laughs> He's a slight bit of Ian McKellen I mean, about if, him. if Ian McKellen played the first zombie from Night of the Living Dead, um, yes. it would look like him. Yes. Or like, that, no, that cheap sequel they did with him, um, Flesh Eater. How he looks in that film, in yeah. the poster, is how he looks in this. Um, which I also found out is on YouTube, by the way, so we Flesh may have Eater. to do Flesh Eater. <laughs> is that some, like, thing, you know when they added stuff into Nightmare no, uh, Night of a Living no, Dead? No, not even close. This is the guy who played that zombie, loving his role so much that he made a film of that zombie going around killing people. Oh, God. He stars in it and directs it a lot. It, it sounds fucking bizarre. But we, do you remember we have when to they, do it. they added extra scenes? I, I do. That was the... That was actually the first DVD of Night of the Living Dead that I owned. And it was and mine was like, what too. The hell is this? It, it was mine. They, they had a priest just talking shit throughout random they scenes. Did, I, I, yeah. it, because they filmed it in black and white, they thought people wouldn't notice, but they fucking stood out. Yeah. Um, but yeah, so I, I digress. Um, Creon, yeah, he looks like shit. And he's talking to a coffin who has his darling Isabel in it. How would you describe Isabel using one of your catchphrases from this podcast? Oh, she's a beautiful girl. Can't act for shit, though. <laughs> she... But jarringly beautiful. For someone who's been, been, who died years ago and like been she's in this coffin for ages. didn't she? <laughs> um, but yeah, she is... She's given me Winona Ryder. She looks like Winona Ryder. Yeah. Um, <laughs> there are people coming soon who will help them be together. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, then we get what I had done at first as a Wolfman type character, um, but we find out it's actually a uh, human cat, a human demon cat, and he's dressed like McLovin in Superbad when he wears that vest um, where he, he looks a bit like Aladdin. That's, does, that's exactly yeah. what this cat looks like. Yeah. Um, he's watching a kid walk through the woods. Okay. Um, the kid already looks like he's dead. Because uh, he's so pale. He does, actually. He's wearing a cap. It he? looks like they've put like makeup on his face to make him look dead. Um, but he hears multiple cat noises. Oh, but that makes sense now. He hears multiple cat noises. Uh, really shit cat noises. Cat noises? Um, what do you think cat noises? Meow! 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 <laughs> cat noises? Was but, licking himself? <laughs> well, he probably. It wouldn't surprise me. Uh, and then we're introduced to Cool Dude Duke um, as he drives down narrow lanes whilst what I thought was a family drove behind him. And I thought they were looking for Pale Billy. Now, Duke is a piece of shit. Uh, <laughs> he's a fucking nightmare, this character. 
Yeah, and he's wearing, like, a shiny karate outfit. <laughs> really, like, rubber-looking yeah. karate outfit. <laughs> I have no idea what he thinks he's, he's dressed like. The, now, this is really confusing, because you've got these two cars driving down this road, and um, there's who I perceive to be the teens. And, and when I say teens, I mean, like, Greece teens. <laughs> 80s teens. Yeah. <laughs> These teens in the front car, and then in the back, there is a, a, a gentleman who is much older. Now, I must, he must be in his 40s. Yeah, so that's Pete. That's um, Pete. And his girlfriend, and he's Megan. Driving. Yeah. <laughs> so, I was like... And then they, they talk about parties throughout this time. And I'm like, okay, so it's... This is Billy's family. Well, that's the thing. Pete... Uh, Peter or whatever his name is was like oh yeah he, he, I wonder where he's gone he can't have gone far and I thought oh okay shit he's obviously talking about Billy that's Billy's dad yeah who the fuck was he talking about because he's exactly. not Billy's dad no unless he lost uh, what Duke maybe that's he was right behind him the I entire no time idea. I have no idea um, but yeah they're, they're driving down narrow lanes um, and Billy finally gets what he wants out of his bag and he says to himself... What is it? It's like some giant coconut cake. <laughs> or like, it looks like a bun of some sort. <laughs> well, he says, uh, here's to you, Billy. Happy birthday. And then we get uh, Poundland Kiefer Sutherland in sunglasses um, at night time. Yeah. Takes them off true. and he uh, asks if it's Billy's first time away from home. Asks for a light and then asks how old Billy is. Which we find out he's just turned 13. Yeah, this is really weird. Like this, It's really weird. It's really weird because um, Billy actually does have a light and gives it to him and he lights a ciggy. We find out that it's Billy's 13th birthday and uh, Billy says, I've got a long road ahead. I'll be seeing you. To which um, Poundland, uh, <laughs> Keith Keeps Sutherland, goes, maybe... Maybe. And at this point, I think he, maybe he's some sort of villain, but... Yeah. No. <laughs> but no. So, um, then the... He's pulled off screen. Yeah, but before this, Billy tells him that he has big plans that are going to work. What fucking big plans? You walk around the graveyard and accidentally find a house. Yes. Yeah, what true. is your big plan? But, yeah, so he's pulled off the screen... And then we see the... I've got werewolf, the cat man. I'm calling him cat man. Um, well, I hope werewolf zombie dude. Uh, but we see him randomly. And then we see this um, Kiefer Sutherland type uh, collapse with cuts on his face, like scratches. So who we thought was going to be a villain, mm. and they were both in it together, gets killed by cat man. Yeah. Which makes the scene previous just really creepy. Yeah. Like, it's, it, like, a, a paedophile, really, <laughs> yeah. let's be honest. It just comes across really weird. Oh, give me a light, like, kid. Ooh. Yeah, and then asking him questions and, like, maybe. Maybe you'll see maybe. me. Ooh. You know? Ooh. Um, Isabel's coffin is opened after Creon has waited 70 years and sacrificed many youth to do it. Yeah. He's going to sacrifice some youth in uh, Peter, isn't he? He's a really young man. <laughs> yeah, I was going to say, yeah. If they're, they're all as old as the people on their way to him, then uh, <laughs> you yeah, sacrifice that many youths. Billy finds a gravestone with no name but 1972 to 1985 on it. Obviously, 13 years. That's his gravestone. Rich, um, a character... Well, with... it says life is short... Yeah. 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 So, um, there's a character called Rich, and again, he's another arsehole. Um, we don't just get one douchebag in this film, we get two. Um, he's got a really shit moustache. Um, one of our weaker ones from the podcast. Yeah, it is, it is pretty weak. Uh, he starts using a hand puppet, and Duke, the guy wearing the rubber karate suit, wants to know if he's queer or something, because he's playing with a hand puppet. Yeah. Um, Come on, 1986. Rich, hopefully, isn't on our team. Um, because, again, he's an arsehole. And he also wears a T-shirt with his own face on it. Yeah. Present the entire film, he's wearing a T-shirt with him and his hand puppet. Yeah. So, yeah, uh, Rich belongs in a Friday the 13th film, clearly, as the annoying prankster. 
But in the meantime, we've got him in this. Yes, so they're still driving, and then we get Catman throwing a branch into the road. Yeah, he? yeah. This is when Duke decides that he's going to the party. Um, something that Peter is apparently too old to do. I mean, he's not wrong. He does look like he's in his fifties. Yeah, yeah. Um, but yeah, we have a conversation about this fucking party. It doesn't matter because they all go to the same place anyway. Billy goes inside the house uh, attached to the graveyard. And says, boy, I could have my own room here. Okay. <laughs> yeah. Which was really confusing because I still thought that those people driving were his family. Yeah. And I'm like, well, who's he sharing a room with? He hasn't got a sister <laughs> or anything like that. Um, but the, just going back slightly to that branch being thrown into the road. Did you not think that probably in the original cut, that was just a branch falling? Maybe. As a, you know, as a, a sign <laughs> of trouble ahead. Uh, whereas in this cut, they had to have the cat man, like, throw <laughs> it into... <laughs> yeah, super strength cat man. Because they don't share the, they don't share the, the, um, the screen at, at all, do they? Uh, no. No, no, no cat man and... He just watches. Group just watches them randomly. Yeah, yeah. So they've just, they just insert like watching shots and then him throwing a branch into the road. You think Catman kind of looks like someone tried going as Nightcrawler from X-Men 2 uh, for a Halloween party, did a really shit job of it. I was like, I don't know what, fuck it, I'll go anyway. I've done it now. Yeah. Yeah, pretty much. Yeah, Nightcrawler, maybe he was in the Thriller music video because I feel like there was a bit of Thriller in that makeup as well. It was giving me, um, is it Lair of the White Worm? Yeah. The Ken Russell film. It was giving me a little bit of that. You're giving it too much credit now. It's far too much. Um, someone set up a surprise party for Billy in this random house. Uh, a toy robot walks towards him. He puts it on the chair and then we're given the same shot again to make us think that it's now back on the floor and walking towards him. Yeah. <laughs> a doll cries uh, and the candles on the birthday cake light on their own. Yeah, it's just really confusing because Billy goes into the room with the all set up for his birthday and goes, "Great, you didn't forget after all." <laughs> um, but he's just going. Whose house some, is yeah, it meant to be? Yeah, he's gone into some <laughs> random place. Um, so we're still led. So this is still me thinking that they're all going to jump out as a surprise <laughs> because they keep talking about a party and they're on their way to this place. But it's not. They don't sync up at all. It really stands out now. Now that I know about the two productions, I'm thinking about it whilst talking about it. Yeah. We never see Creon on screen with these other characters no. either. No, not at all. <laughs> um, but, <laughs> yeah, the, the birthday kicks out upon their own. And then a vampire child in a monk's outfit grabs a screwdriver and approaches Billy's birthday room before running away. I called it now, I might embarrass myself now, with my no Star Wars knowledge, but I said he looked like a Jawa. He did. <laughs> he, he looked like a Jawa, but also kind of looked like uh, the little uh, guys that the tall man carries around with him in Phantasm. Okay, <laughs> yeah. Um, ones, yeah, the ones that go around doing his work for him. He kind of looked, they kind of looked, he kind of looks like one of those. I feel that's probably what they were going for. Yeah, well, he's just a really pale-looking zombie kid. Yeah. Well, he's a vampire. He's got vampire teeth. You were said his cat man. Yeah, but cat man's a cat. He's got cat teeth. Wasn't well, his cat cat kid? <laughs> Fucking who knows? Billy continues. Well he, picks, to... well, he also picks up. Does he pick up a knife? Screwdriver. A screwdriver. He does nothing with. Yeah. Billy continues to talk to himself uh, before opening his birthday gift to find a decapitated head. Saying happy birthday to him. Now you tell me that isn't something straight out of fucking Hellgate. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, then that definitely is. Yeah. So I'm assuming it's, um, whatever his name. What's, the, what's his name? Um, Creon. Creon. Is, is, like is that him? not Creon's? I don't know. Maybe. I don't know. Um, the two cars arrive at the house where Billy was, uh, and they say, this doesn't make any sense. Who built a house in the middle of a graveyard like this? Uh, the people who built a fucking house. Yeah, well, maybe the graveyard was built around the house. <laughs> you got to put them somewhere. 
They all decide to go inside whilst Billy's still running around. I've, they've never well, they heard don't him. know. They fucking they bicker and they, they argue about whether to go inside <laughs> or not. Oh, it's private property. Oh, no one's here. It looks like it's... <laughs> oh, my God. Um, yeah, so... <laughs> yeah, that, Billy's being followed by Catman, um, who then scratches Billy in the face a few times and buries him alive yeah. before heading back to the house. Yeah, like, literally, this 13-year-old, he buries alive. Yeah. I was like, oh, my God, this is really... You know, and then and then I just thought, I was like, okay, so th- these stories are interlinked. You know, th- I was still under the impression this was Billy's family. I'm like, okay, so Billy's going to come back in some sort of form. Yeah. But nope, that's it. Billy yeah. gone for the rest of the film. <laughs> just this 13-year-old was buried alive. One of the girls thinks it's funny that she... Uh... <laughs> Jesus Christ. One of the girls, um, I think it was Linda, is like, oh, isn't it funny that I grew up with these people? No. no. <laughs> Not really. Again, making it seem like they're family is so... What do you mean, isn't it fucking funny? No, it's not. No. It's funny that you'd say that. Uh, and Carol isn't feeling very well, is she? Oh, I, don't, I don't fucking know. I just put the bitch and moaning each other some more. Uh, Rich has been a twat with his hand puppet and feeding it some crisps. Um, Duke's girlfriend, Linda, asks him to dance. But because Duke is a fucking twat, he uh, doesn't want to do anything. So she apologises. She, she goes up to Peter and Megan, like the, the oldest looking people there. She's like, oh, kids, I'm so sorry about his behaviour. Kids? Kids. <laughs> What? <laughs> I thought they were the parents. I thought they were Billy's parents. Um, Creon tells Catman uh, about his ritual that he has planned. Uh, whilst Duke finds a weird device that moves around the floor and asks, What is it? Art or something? No. No, no Duke. Um, his evil plan. He, he has like a chessboard uh, and some candles. Um... That's pretty much it. Well, that's it. I really. think the the it's people like on chess, game of chess, the people on chessboard are meant to be the uh, middle aged teenagers. Maybe is that who they're meant to be? Yeah. Well, they're not. They're not teenagers. So in the Vipco release, they called them teenagers, but we find out soon that they're not actually teenagers, are they? And, oh no! Yeah, that's true. Yeah. Um, Duke finds a secret doorway and uh, secret doorway. Yeah. Well, it's secret cupboard. It's just next to him, isn't it? Um, it's not like a secret. It's right next to him. <laughs> well, this is where we get the first line of dialogue from an absolute slay queen. <laughs> um, Rude bitch. We had to... Um, we had to check if she was actually British. Because her <laughs> accent sounded really fake. <laughs> but she is actually a British queen. Yeah. Uh, and she says, Don't go in there! And her name is Adrian Roof. Yes. What is Adrian Roof wearing? Um, well, she's fashion giving, queen. Yeah, she's giving me Meryl Streep, the yeah. house down boots. Um, not in acting. <laughs> uh, but um, what is she? Is she wearing like a white? What is she wearing? It's like a white blazer. <laughs> a white skirt. Yeah. Okay. This is pretty gay. But um, she's giving me Meryl Streep when Meryl Streep won her first Oscar for Kramer vs. Kramer. <laughs> that's what she's giving me. Maybe that's what she based her outfit on. I, I would, I'd like to think so. Um, a skeleton falls on Duke and uh, he finds it funny, but Linda, his girlfriend, says, What are you laughing at? It's a dead man. It's true. Duke doesn't well, think it's laughing. real. But the, somehow the skeleton was carrying a board game. Yeah, somehow hidden like somewhere. Not even a board game. It's not like a Monopoly board that folds up. It's like a massive like board. And, and the funniest, the funniest thing is, Carol all of a sudden turns into a Ouija board expert. She, she knows did. everything about the history of Ouija boards. She obviously works for Hasbro, um, and this is supposed to be a Ouija board. I think maybe they couldn't afford the rights to include one. I don't no, because Ouija board is copyrighted, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. Um, but then surely they shouldn't be allowed to call it a Ouija board. 
Exactly. But, uh, yeah, she, she gives us a history on Ouija boards. Uh, for she does. ages. Yeah, she explains. But it, it's... I, I would think that they would know what a Ouija... At least one of them would know what a Ouija board yeah. was. But they're all like... Like, oh, my God. Oh, is that what... Is that, oh, is that what this is? Oh. <laughs> um, Adrian Roof can't figure out how you can speak to the dead because they're dead. <laughs> Very true. Um, Very true. And, and with this being a Ouija board, the, the art that um, Duke found, the device, uh, is actually the planchette for the Ouija board. Um, Linda can't figure out... Is that out... what that's called? Yeah. Oh. Linda can't figure out how Carol knows so much about Ouija boards. Neither can we. Um, Creon promises his kitty that he can have Carol if he's a good kitty. <laughs> yeah. So this is when we <laughs> finally realised it was a cat, man. <laughs> Um, oh, hello, kitty. Yeah. Oh, shit, what the fuck was that? Yeah. <laughs> um, I can't... Can you do his accent? Hello, kitty. Hello, Dev. <laughs> That's what you were saying. I thought I sounded um, a bit more Sean Connery, if I'm honest. It's, it's a very generic Eastern European accent. Oh, I kitty. <laughs> I need to stop. Um, yeah, so he, he, tell, he tells him that he can have Carol. Um, Linda's having a go on the Ouija board, and uh, she, she, Adrian Roof wants to make it all about her. Uh, she's like, she's a queen, and she's like, ask us about me. She's like, okay, how old is Adrian Roof? <laughs> and the Ouija board says twenty four, but it's not the Ouija board that says it, is it? It's Creon. It's like twenty four. Yeah, yeah. So this is. So we're led to believe that the Cre- Creon, or whatever, yeah. I don't care, um, he's in charge of the Ouija board, so he's giving out the answers. Um, <laughs> the reason we know this is because he says those. <laughs> so every time a question's asked, we cut to him saying the answer, and then we cut to the planchette moving, <laughs> very clearly being moved by the actress, by the way. <laughs> uh, not very subtle. But this is... I'm a little confused. Adrian Ruth. Just is that her name, or is that her first and surname? I have no idea, but that is exa- that is what I'm calling her from now on. Yeah. So her name is Adrian <laughs> Ruth. But why would she like? It's a Ouija board. Why would she? If, it's, <laughs> if Ruth is her surname, which it probably isn't, but if it is, wouldn't that be like? How old is Adrian Roof? <laughs> yeah. Um, so the final she's 24. Yeah, Adrian Roof says, that's right. You didn't know that, did you, Linda? <laughs> <laughs> and she's like, Ask how old I'm going to be when I die. Uh, and then we find out, 24. 24. <laughs> Adrian Roof this isn't funny any longer at all. <laughs> and just so you know, to confirm, yes, there will be a compilation of Adrian Roof's best moments up on our YouTube uh, right away. Please go and watch it. Um, Linda asks if she and Duke will always be together. <laughs> Creon's like, no. No. <laughs> and uh, she's like, a month from now? No. No. <laughs> Carol Carol asks, will we ever leave this house alive? She's like, no. No. <laughs> <laughs> the fuck off. Stop using my Ouija board. Then <laughs> They decide to leave. Uh, Creon's head starts pulsating. Well, you say his head. One line of his head. One vein going through his forehead starts, like, pulsating. Uh, Carol transforms into a demon. She does. So, um... Oh, what's his name? Creon. You keep saying it. Creon. 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 Because I haven't got it written down until later when we actually learn his name. Um, Creon, uh, his forehead vein starts to throb, and then he squeezes a white pawn chess piece, and it turns into a black chess piece, <laughs> and as he's doing that, Carol is turned into a, um, now I just got him written down, a wrinkly. <laughs> she does. Because <laughs> she... <laughs> Because you know the film's called Spookies. I thought a lot of them just look wrinkly. So it should have been called The Wrinklies. So I've just got... She turns into a wrinkly. Uh, but it's essentially Evil Dead. With, yeah. With more frown lines. Yeah, this is definitely the half of the film that wanted to be Evil Dead. Yes. Um, 
And uh, Creon says, she is now mine and you must all die and serve my will. Uh, Carol throws a bottle at Duke, thank God. No, he, he says, and this confused me even further, uh, he says, leave. And then, <laughs> then tells them that they can't leave and they need to be sacrificed. <laughs> it's like, well, which one do you want, mate? Carol throws a bottle at Duke, um, slaps Rich, and tries pushing a bookcase onto Lewis. Um, the ki- Lewis, by the way, what the fuck was the point in that character? He's in, like, two scenes. Yeah, I, I just, yeah. I had no idea. Um, they run outside, uh, Adrian, Ruth, and Dave, and uh, her, her boyfriend. And Lewis is running outside as well, and Adrian Ruth's like, The keys! Where are the goddamn keys? And uh, a grave appears... Giving Laurie Strode there. (laughs) Less energy. Um, A grave appears with Lewis's name being burned into it, and the ground then swallows him. Yeah, but it's pretty incoherent. It's a a nice effect, but you don't actually see the aftermath of it until much later in the film. And and the kitty's just there in the background just watching. Oh, okay, that's nice. (laughs) Um, Adrian, Ruth and Dave run back inside whilst the kitty knocks on the door because the kitty can teleport from one place to another really fast. Yes. Um, And when he starts, Peter's like, it's stopped. The pounding has stopped. Duke wants to leave um, and threatens to fix Peter's ass when he suggests that they go and look at Lewis's grave. Yeah. (laughs) Whenever Peter opens his mouth, Duke's like, you fucking arsehole, how dare you? Like, seriously, it's like, throughout the whole fucking film. Um, Zombies with really cool makeup effects are now raising from uh, the graves. Yes. Yeah, this is one actually one of the best parts of the film. Oh, that's good, because we'll get to see it again later on. Yeah, I know, yeah, exactly. This is <laughs> Peter decides they're all going to die and replace souls on the Ouija board, which is really oddly specific and correct. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I think him and Carol were in on it together. <laughs> Dave decides... Uh, well, Adrian Roof decides, should I say, that... Um, he, that she and Dave uh, are going to stay downstairs whilst everyone else is going around looking for ghosts. Um, and Dave said, well, suggest we, I suppose we'll stay here then. To which Rich replies, boy, Dave, that's putting her in a place. And Adrian Ruth, with a cigarette in one hand, turns to him and says, shut up, you brainless twerp. <laughs> But he's got no idea what a twerp is. No. I, I need the energy that Adrian Ruth has given in this film because she just does not give a single shit. She's just being Adrian Ruth. She's a twat. <laughs> She's a queen, Poor aren't Dave. <laughs> um, Creon opens Isabel's coffin and she's fucking fuming. She's like, no, please leave me alone. I want to be dead. Um, fuck off. And uh, he wants to make her his forever. Yeah, so I'm just, I'm confused again. (laughs) So if the whole idea is that he was going to sacrifice all these youths um, to bring her back, why the fuck is she back? (laughs) He ain't finished the task yet. (laughs) Well, he hasn't, has he? He ain't finished the task. No. So why is she back? Why is she alive? Yeah, like, literally, he could let the rest of them live. It doesn't really matter. Exactly. She's like, oh, she's back now. Thank- sorry, Lewis. <laughs> you know, poor, no one cared about you anyway. Poor Billy. Sorry, Billy. <laughs> yeah, sorry, Billy. Sorry, Lewis. Uh, the rest of you can go now. Sorry, random paedophile in the woods. Yeah. Uh, Rich falls over an electrical cord, uh, and it's at this point that I realise he was wearing that T-shirt with himself and a puppet on it. Uh, Duke shouts at Linda about how he knows how to handle himself when they go down to the cellar. Oh my god. Yeah, more bickering. It's bickering. Just, yeah. They all just fucking bicker with each other throughout the whole fucking film. It's exhausting. He tries convincing her to uh, get it on with him. Uh, to which he yeah, puts... Yeah, well what he does <laughs> is that the door, a door opens by itself. Um, Linda's like, oh. Um, so Duke tries to be the big guy and runs through it to, you know, to uh, attack whoever's behind the door, and it's some stairs and they he falls into the cellar, and yeah. she she goes to help him and ends up on her back, and he's trying it on, um, isn't he? Yeah. To no avail. 
Um, he then puts on a sheet and says, Oh, look at me. I'm Duke, the horny ghost. Amazing dialogue right there. Amazing dialogue. Um, surprised this wasn't nominated for an Oscar for Best Screenplay. Um, Duke drinks some wine that he finds in the cellar. Uh, even though Linda warns him that it's probably poison or vinegar. And in a bizarre series of events... Um, Linda's like, oh, I need a lie down. And it sounds like she's saying that, so the actors underneath know when to come up. Well, she um, says she's enjoying her lie Yeah, down. oh, I'm loving my lie down. And, um, she lies back. Some arms grab her, uh, accompanied by a massive fart. And then you think, oh, okay, maybe Chris thought it was, Chris thought it was groaning. Um, it was not groaning. Uh, this is the, the muck men with their pickaxes. Uh, they just look like clay zombies. And uh, they all they attack Linda and Duke whilst farting. Yeah, so you, you were pissing yourself on the sofa. Not literally. <laughs> um, but he was laughing. And I'm like, what's he laughing at? I'm like... You know, and you you were like, oh, farting, it's farting. And I'm like, that's very mature, Gary. It's not farting. <laughs> uh, <laughs> and then you looked it up. You're like, actually, it is farting noises. And then for the rest of the scene, I'm like, oh, God. It just cost it like... <laughs> yeah, it is farting. <laughs> and it literally, instead of groaning, it's... <laughs> <laughs> it sounds like the farting in Feed Us 2. <laughs> oh, God. These are much wetter. Yeah, it's just fart the whole scene, and it is. that's a really weird choice. It's fucking stupid. I think this is when they decided that it was going to be a comedy. They just edited in. They, they watched the film, but like, okay, we've got a really shit film here. Um, let's edit in some farting noises. <laughs> yeah, that doesn't work. <laughs> um, what's even more bizarre than the fact that they're constantly shitting themselves? Um, is that... That's not mud. <laughs> They're not mud monsters. No, um, muck men, by the way. Oh, muck men, excuse Appropriate me. names. Um, what's even more bizarre is that... is what kills them. Um, they're killed by wine. Wine makes them melt. <laughs> what, liquids make them melt? Was it just liquids? I thought it was just yeah, wine. there's a puddle on the floor. So, um, Duke's trying to be a um, strong man. And he knocks one of them over, these muck men. And it falls into a puddle on the floor and then dissolves, yeah. fizzes away. And he realises that liquids... Because um, <laughs> he's thick as pig shit for the rest of the film, but he has one good moment where he realises that obviously it was the liquid that did it. So he gets Linda to axe a barrel of wine, yeah. which spurts out and kills them all. Yeah. Um, later on, when they revisit this scene, when, when they regroup with Peter and uh, Megan, I just remember it, I didn't write it down, but I just remember it now. Um, they were like, oh, you'll never believe what happened to us in the cellar. You had all these things with pickaxes. Did you not think to mention the fact that they were constantly shouting? Yeah. Like, yeah. I'm sorry, if I was being attacked by a bunch of zombies with pickaxes and they were constantly farting and shitting themselves, then... I would probably think to mention that first. Because it doesn't happen uh, in every horror film, does it? No, it doesn't. No. <laughs> no. Um, but yeah, until that point, that, that scene's completely gone. Um, Duke and Linda are fine. Dave points out that everyone's been gone a long time. <laughs> so Adrian Ruth now got her legs up on a sofa. On, on a bed, sorry. On a bed. Um, <laughs> with a cig on the go, still. Yeah. Looking like an absolute fucking model, just sits there and turns to him and's like, well, maybe they're all dead. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it's a bit harsh, isn't it? Um, Rich finds the Ouija board and Carol, who informs him that the board wants him. <laughs> <laughs> Isabel's still arguing with Creon, and she's like, I poisoned myself once before, and I will do it again. Like, everyone argues in the film to the point that even the fucking... The, Villain argues with his wife. Oh, don't. It's, it's really fucking exhausting, all this bickering for the whole... And then we get Adrian, Ruth and Dave bickering some more. <laughs> well, he finds a bottle of something. It looks like whiskey. Um, he's really excited about it. And she... <laughs> David, throw that crap away. And he's like, why? Because you say so? It's like, because dr you don't drink. 
you asshole, and you will only get sick. God knows who's touched it before you. David doesn't care, drinks him and spits it out immediately. Yes. Uh, Richard has a piss in the fireplace. Yeah, whilst the kitty listens in. Yeah. It's really fucking weird. Oh, yeah. <laughs> um, Duke and Linda bicker some more. Uh, just just about over how manly Duke is, yeah. essentially. Um, David's passed out and Adrian Roof is still smoking that same cig that she's had on for a few hours now. <laughs> Yeah, and it's crazy. I was like, how is he asli- How is he sleeping throughout any of this? First of all, they're meant to be having a party. It can't be that. It wouldn't have been that far into the party, and he hasn't even drank. So how <laughs> he you... drank a bottle of whiskey and spat it out? Yeah, so he didn't drink it. Um. Yeah. Yeah. She. But how long has she had that cig on to go? Like, it's been a while. It's. Been... Well, suppose they're not going to show every time she likes a cig. Um. Kitty watches her uh, from the window. Kitty, are we saying Kitty uh, now? Catman, Catman. Sorry. Oh, no, are we saying Kitty we now? Call him Kitty, because um, that's what Creon calls him. Um, watches her from the window. Uh, clearly, added later on because there's no reason to why I'd be watching her. Um, Peter and Megan find a hanging corpse and a note that says, "May God forgive me. It's the only way I can save myself from them." Um, again, you know doesn't go anywhere. Yeah, it makes absolutely no sense because he's sacrificing all these people. In a bizarre series of events, a uh, a goblin creature, it looks like the Cheddar Goblin from Mandy. Um, oh, yeah. Attacks, well, he's killed David and attacks Adrian Roof. Um, but being the Slayer Queen that she is, she stabs it with a fire poker, throws some plant pots at it and crushes it with a chest of drawers. Yeah, she does, actually. <laughs> um... But it's really weird because when it's underneath the chest of drawers, it shows the shot from earlier when it first appeared, which is very clearly not under a chest of drawers. (laughs) Um, Carol's talking shit with a Ouija board. And we get this a few times now, uh, edited in between scenes. Just her, just fucking saying words with the Ouija board. Creon and Isabel bicker some more. Uh, He claims he's the father of her children, and she's confused because they only had one child. So he's like, would you like to see your son, Corda? Um, And then the monk vampire child from the start of the film shows up, and he's like, Mama! (laughs) Yeah, which is also really confusing, because she said we already had a child. Then where's their actual child? Is that the goblin thing that looks like Royal Head Rex later on? Oh, might be. Um... The kid has the same really bad voice editing as the uh, father, Creon. Um, they both sound like they're in a fish tank or something. Like it, It's really yeah, bad. Yeah, that is true, actually. Um, and Isabel naturally screams and runs away. But the thing is, Creon doesn't give a shit. He just lets no. her go. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, which is... yeah. You're going through all this shit to get her back. Um, she's already told you she wants to stay dead. Now she's run away. Yeah. Um, it's been 70 years. Yeah. Um, the cat man follows her. David is now possessed and turns into some kind of alien creature and kills Adrian Roof, sadly. We lost a queen. Um, what the fuck was he supposed to be? It all lets him out of the thing. I, I don't get... Where are we going with that? Um, yeah, like an octopusy kind of. Octopusy. Octopusy. <laughs> um, an octopus-like creature with tentacles. I don't. I don't fucking know. I don't give a shit. I don't care. Well, then in the next scene, we get some sort of witch troll thing. Yeah. <laughs> shoots a laser at Isabel, but Isabel just runs away. <laughs> yeah. So she's running through some sort of cave. Um, and she's being tormented by, yeah, an old hag kind of creature. Yeah. Like an old hag and a vulture together. It looks like one of the costumes in Troll 2. Yeah, like laughing at her and, yeah, shoots some sort of beam or something. <laughs> um, Isabel manages to get away and that's it. That's the last you see of her. No, it ain't. Isn't it? No, it ain't. Chris, do you not remember we had to sit for like 20 seconds of zombies filling her up? No, I meant the old hag. Oh, yeah, the old hag, yeah. yeah. I was going to say, if I can, we do get to see Isabella again, sadly. Um, oh, Isabella's a name, is not Isabella. I don't know. Duke and, down as the bride. Duke and Linda are reunited with Peter and Megan. Duke calls her a stupid bitch. 
That's very true, actually. Um, Peter's fuming, of course, and the uh, the ladies decide to leave them alone whilst they've been at it all night. Because they've been at it all night, sorry. Excuse me? <laughs> yeah, but well, apparently they've been at it all night. Um, Peter and Duke. Apparently. Um, Carol's still talking shit with the Ouija board. Oh, my God. Rich is greeted. Oh, my God, is he still alive? Fucking hell. Do you not have, damn, what happens in the scene? Yes. Yeah, so Richard is still searching the house and Carol chats some shit and summons Estrella. Uh, uh, Estrella is actually a beautiful woman um, and she's chatting shit to him about her also being locked in the house. Save me, Richard. Uh, she knows his name for some reason. Uh, he, he didn't question it as no. much as he probably should. Uh, and she lures him into a room... Well, she shows him a big rock. Um. <laughs> Is that what that was? I don't really know what that was, so I just didn't mention it. Duke and Peter are still fighting with Linda and Megan. Um, no, no, whilst Linda and Megan watch, they're not getting any action. Um, and then, in a bizarre series of events, a statue of the Grim Reaper comes to life and kills Duke. Yeah, yeah, essentially. Um, yeah, it... Yeah, that's pretty much it. Um, kills Duke. Peter, Megan and Linda manage to escape. But well, Peter Lin- jumps through a door. Linda is... <laughs> yeah, he just jumped through a door. Yeah, he just jumps through the door. Um, Linda gets a cut on her leg, though, doesn't she? Bless her. Yeah. Um, Rich is then attacked by a giant spider. Uh, yeah. Yeah, so... Much like a like a face hugger, isn't it? But a spider. Yeah. Uh, but then what happens to his uh, lady companion in the basement? Um. So he like he's moving backward. He manages to get trapped in a giant spider web because this spider has jumped on his face. Uh, Estrella then turns into a wrinkly giant spider <laughs> that sucks Richard's insides out like a deflating football. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Or like, um, like a whoopee cushion. Yeah, <laughs> like a squeezed whoopee cushion is yeah, very rubbery face, doesn't he? When it uh, when it happens. Um, yeah, so that's the end of Rich. Thank God. Uh, Peter pushes the Grim Reaper. I mean, we don't see where he sucks his insides out from. No, so no. you never know. Um, Peter pushes the Grim Reaper statue off the roof, and it explodes. So they, they manage to get up to the roof and um, the Grim Reaper follows them. And this is a giant Grim Reaper. Um, managed to get through the window and onto the roof where, um, yeah, old action hero Peter manages to push it off the roof. And um, the, the, and quite the explosion as well. Very, yeah. Very diehard. That's where the budget went. That's where the budget went. <laughs> Um, Peter, Megan and Linda find a room of Creon's artefacts. Uh, they decide the demon statue looks like Carol. <laughs> yeah. It does actually, but... It does a little bit. Does it? Well, it looks like what they were going for with Carol's makeup. Wow. Um, they knock something onto the statue and it mounts. Linda thinks it's acid, but Megan says, It's not acid. Not any kind that we know. What? <laughs> dun, dun, dun. <laughs> Um, Corda, the the vampire child monk thing, um, wants to commit murder, but Creon talks shit about using death to source life. Um, Peter, Linda, and, and Megan find Carol, who sets Peter's axe on fire. Um, Carol's head... That's, that's not a, uh... No, you've... He yeah, actually no. has an axe. Yeah, actually holding an axe. Um, Carol's head opens up and lets out some sort of psychic frequency... Um, that looks like it was from that boring Christmas film we watched. Um, Bloodbeat, was it? Oh, God, yeah. Um, well, it's not her head, doesn't it? It's her wig. Oh, wig, up. yeah. <laughs> her wig opens up. Um, this is really weird because this makes Peter and Megan age about 30 years. It doesn't do anything to Linda. Um, yeah. Peter tries fighting the Ouija board now with a big bone. Like, it looks like a, a, a big bone. Well, this acid thing, there's a vial of it, isn't there? Is there? In um, 
like a skeleton's hand. And he's trying to get that so he can use it on Carol. <laughs> I think. I, I'll be honest, I have no idea what happened in the scene. No, I just know it it's, ended. It's and pretty incoherent. We never see Peter, Megan and Linda ever again. No. So I feel like the original film had them surviving, maybe? Maybe, but they... they and Using age, this acid. I mean, somehow it made Peter look older. I, I don't know how... Well, this is why I called the film The Ring, please. Yeah, they just turned into old people. It's, yeah. So, yeah. That's the end of them. Um, whatever happened to them. Isabel stabs Creon in the head with what looks like a cigar and kills him. Or a turd. I, I don't know what it was, but she kills him with it. Um, we get the same shot of the coffin pulsating from the start of the film. Isabel escapes from the house, but when she gets to the bottom of it, she's greeted by a mini rawhead Rex lookalike saying, Mama! <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> yes, yes. Um, this starts some spooky dance music um, as zombies try preventing Isabel from escaping. It's when we get sent shot to zombies again. Oh, this God. goes on for so long. It's literally. I I, I will admit that I nodded off. <laughs> I did. I fell asleep. It, it feels like it's about half an hour of just her on the ground and these zombies feeling her up and ruining her dress and just pulling her back down. Yeah, it's just... It's, I don't know, it's like, just fucking get on with it. If you're going <laughs> to fucking kill her and eat her, just do it. But she manages to keep manages to escape, but then she goes to another location and then we'll come out. Yeah, and then, and then she carries on like, for ages. Well, it's incredible. How the fuck is, how can she survive all that shit? I mean... She's just been dead for 70 years, so... Best to do but still, she's not like super... But she's not fighting any of no. them. No. You know, she's she's just... she's In all honesty, she's just getting felt up. She gets her dress ripped off her as well. Mm. Um, and then that's it. And it, feel, it feels so long. I, I, like I said, I nodded off. Um, yeah, when she eventually escapes, she gets into a random guy's car and, and he drives him away. And she says, I can't believe it. I'm finally free. And the guy. No, the funny thing. No, the funny thing is, so she finds this car, and she's looking round to see how she can get into it, and and then he goes, "Hey, lady, what are you doing to my car?" <laughs> yeah, and he's just standing there watching the zombies. He's yeah. not doing anything. <laughs> how are you still alive? And the zombies like right next to you. Well, we find out how he turns to her and says, "You're not free. Don't you realize I've always loved you too?" And it's Catman. And then Creon jumps out of the grave, has a laugh, and then uh, that's the end of the film. <laughs> Spookies. That's shitties, I'd like to call it. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know. I, I think it's so bad it's good. Um, I was entertained. I Apart d- from that, that fucking scene with her and the zombies, that did go on forever. That did drag. I just... There was a lot to laugh at. Just obviously not for the right reasons. Yeah, yeah, I know. I'm, I've said it before on the podcast, but I think sometimes when we sit and we analyse a film, and and we analyse it, you know, minute by minute, don't we? Mm-hmm. When we're making our notes, um, you do kind of m- maybe take it a little too seriously or a little too literally, um, but the inconsistencies are fucking frustrating. <laughs> yeah. It is glaringly obvious it's two films. Really, really. And it makes no kind of sense. Uh, yeah. And Gary was entertained. <laughs> Gary, t- tell him how much you were yeah, entertained. Yeah, it's, it's, it's funny. It's funny. It is shit. It is shit, but it, was, it was funny. Um, yeah, don't forget, it's being released by one-on-one films on Blu-ray. <laughs> Um, on April 26th, hopefully we haven't put you off from buying it. Uh, it's available to pre-order on their store, which again is 101-films-store.com. Uh, big thank you to them for sending us the screener for it. So yes, check that out. Uh, we are Horror Court Rush of... Uh, oh, I've already told you our social stuff at the start of the episode, but just in case you want to hear it again, Facebook and Instagram, Horror Court Trash of... Uh, always do with more followers, Gary. <laughs> Horror Court Trash on Twitter. Um... Yeah, so I'm the like Gaz ninety two on Letterboxd, Gaz my two oh five on Instagram, Gas Chris ninety two on Twitter. I'm Chris Barker eight two three on Instagram, Letterboxd and Twitter. And don't forget to drop us a rate review and subscribe 
uh, on iTunes like Following Everything Else. And check out our YouTube channel, with which will have clips from this film. And our Spotify playlist. Now that's what I call Horror Culture. With all the bangers. Okay, now we're on all the social media platforms. Yeah. This is getting longer every week, this is. <laughs> um, yeah, so... Check us out on eBay. No, not eBay. <laughs> Well, I mean, we've still got Beast of Bunny, so you never know. Oh, yeah, yeah. Um, next week, we have no idea what to do. It's Chris's week. No, it's me. I always do it. I don't. I think of things at the last minute. It's just who I am as a person. I'm sorry, everyone. Yeah. So, <laughs> for for next week's mystery episode, mystery. Oh no, I might, I might not actually tell Gary until I put it on. That'd we're, be nice. We're doing surprise, spookies again. Spookies again. No. So we'll see you same time, same place next week. Bye.